You're listening to the Screeners Podcast Network. From the big screen to the small screen and everything in between, this is the Screeners Podcast, where all media is appreciated, but none is safe. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Screeners Podcast. My name is Chris. This is Chad. And I'm Daniel. And we are back yet again to talk all things media. We got a jam-packed episode for you today. We're going to be talking about the 75th annual Golden Globe nominations. And then we also have a review of The Disaster Artist. I can't wait to dive into those things. Before we do that, I wanted to invite all of you who are listening to join in on the discussion. Definitely join us on Facebook. That is where a lot of conversation happens, and we love to hear from you. Let us know what we missed about The Disaster Artist. What your uh, what you feel like the snubs were from this year's Golden Globe nominations, or perhaps the things that you thought were deserving and really enjoyed. So to kick off this episode, we're going to talk about the Golden Globe nominations, and Daniel's kind of our resident expert of all things award ceremony and award season. You've been keeping up with this quite a bit, haven't you, Daniel? Yes, I always do. Um, yeah, the awards came out yes, or the nominations came out yesterday morning. And as with any awards, there are snubs and surprises and things people are mad about and, and uh, occasionally things people are happy about as well. Uh, one, of the, one of the big shocks of the whole day was even though the Globes is one of the few award, major award shows with a comedy, a musical or comedy category, one of the best reviewed comedies of the year, The Big Sick, uh, ended up getting a whopping zero nominations, uh, even mm. though it was predicted for quite a few. Uh, it could have easily gotten Best Film, uh, Actor, even Supporting Actress, which is Holly Hunter is uh, is definitely in contention for an Oscar nomination, not 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 just a Globe, but an Oscar. There definitely a lot of shocks there. Did you guys think that uh, the Big Six should have uh, should have showed up here? The one thing I have to say about the Golden Globes is that, with all due respect to the Hollywood Foreign Press. This thing really is more of like a, a PR kind of <laughs> we get to hang out with the stars award ceremony. It's, it's difficult to work up any kind of angst over this show, which I still love and I'll watch because the stars all sit around and get drunk and then are usually entertaining <laughs> at the mic. I haven't seen this yet, this film yet, The the Greatest Showman. Mm-hmm. That's the one that I guess that sticks out to me. The Disaster Artist, Get Out, I, Tanya, which I haven't seen, but I've heard great things about and Lady Bird. I imagine a strong case could be made for those, but I really have a difficult time thinking that The Greatest Showman is going to be better than The Big Sick, (laughs) which is probably in my top 10 of the year. So we'll have to see. I I was pretty shocked. Whenever we talk about the Globes, I guess we do have to kind of do a preamble every time uh, about even what the Hollywood Foreign Press is. So the Hollywood Foreign Press is literally exactly what it says. It's foreign press who write about Hollywood. So it's a group of uh, very few people. I believe the number is somewhere in the 30s, 30 journalists or so. Yeah, think about that. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Um, but for some reason, just because it's a televised event and it's been around for a long time, it's just kind of gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. But the group has stayed the same. These aren't prestigious. The only reason we think of them as prestigious is because it's on TV. So yeah, that's, that's kind of the lens you have to look at the Globes through. They're kind of silly, but... They do, uh, for better or worse, impact the actual Oscar conversation um, because the awards came out 
you know, the, the, the Oscar nominations don't come out for another month. We're having these conversations talking about these things. It impacts the Oscars conversation. And so that's kind of why the only reason why they're really important. Chad, you, you pointed out the, the Greatest Showman, a movie that doesn't come out till Christmas that very, I haven't seen a single review on. So people are even unsure if the Hollywood Foreign Press even saw it or if they just nominated it just because they wanted they to get to hang out with Hugh Jackman. Right. Well, I'd pick Kumail Nanjiani over Hugh Jackman any day. So, so anyway, another movie that they didn't, uh, that they might not have actually seen, but that is getting a lot of buzz is all the money in the world. Uh, I assume, have you guys seen the new trailer for all the money in the world? It was attached to the disaster artist. I just got home from seeing it. So yeah, I, I just now saw it. It's pretty incredible. It is incredible, and the reason for it is, I'm not sure if we've talked about this on the podcast yet, but All the Money in the World is directed by Ridley Scott, and it was originally starring Mark Wahlberg, Michelle Williams, and Kevin Spacey. And rather than trash the film or release it and have it bomb, they decided to completely replace Kevin Spacey with Christopher Plummer, which is in itself kind of unprecedented, but he was cast three weeks before the new trailer was released they they filmed his entire role and finished cutting the movie it's already uh screening now and so it is just an incredible feat and and christopher Plummer himself got a nomination for that role which has to be some kind of record yeah, for for shoot for, for a film he shot what less than a month ago, he Correct. already is nominated for. This is insanity. Like yeah. I've never. It's crazy town. It, insanity yeah. would be a good way to describe this entire show, just for the record. <laughs> but yeah, yes. I was I was gonna say that. Like I don't understand. Even the categories don't make sense to me. I'm looking at them right now. I'll be honest with you. I've forgotten all about this, and I just maybe a few minutes ago started looking through these nominations. And I don't understand how Get Out is a musical or a comedy. That doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> I don't understand. I mean, I guess I haven't actually seen Lady Bird yet, but I'm going to guess it's not a musical or a comedy. Maybe it's funny. It is, is it a funny? comedy. That's a straight is comedy. Is it comedy? Yeah. All right. Yeah. But yeah, I don't for sure. I, I don't understand it. The, these 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 are just weird to me. I I feel like it's just a strange I don't know. It's just yeah. a strange thing. A lot of people have been talking about Get Out and I I share that same opinion. I I don't see Get Out as a comedy. I mean, it's got a few funny moments for sure but it's i definitely don't see it as a comedy the way it works is uh it's it's mostly up to the studios um they they kind of decide how they're going to campaign it and what categories they want to go for even though that's kind of a category it's kind of category fraud it was their best chance of getting nominations at the globes so if they had gone drama even though get out is a huge oscar contender this year it's it's definitely going to get in get a bunch of nominations at the globes just because there's not as many best picture slots and all this stuff uh if they had gone drama i think they would have found themselves in fewer categories i mean they only got in two i believe they only got in best film musical comedy and best actor in a comedy and so if they had gone drama, I think they would have gotten zero nominations. So this okay. way they stay in the conversation, all that stuff. So even though it's a little dumb. So you're, what you're basically saying is that the Golden Globes is more of a political move. It's a sham. It's than a sham. It yes. is People. actually yes. uh, kind of a legitimate like showing of quality of film. Is that what Correct. we're saying here? Yes. But okay. it's a great right. party, Thanks. guys, and it's on TV. It so. Okay. So I, that's why I just don't care. All right, sweet. I'm going <laughs> yes. to shut up now. I, I have no opinion. <laughs> Yes, that's fair. But, you know, the good thing, as with all awards, movies aren't simply about the awards. I care a lot about awards, but the reason is it, it, it gives a chance to highlight great movies 
usually. So even though the Globes are goofy, we still got, if we look at the best drama category, Call Me By Your Name, Dunkirk, The Post, Shape of Water, Three Billboards. Those are great movies. I, yeah, I, I haven't strong. seen The Post yet, but or Shape of Water, actually. But those are great movies. There are goofy things here. There are some snubs and all this stuff, but still it highlights some... Uh, some great movies if we just want to go through real fast a uh, couple of the uh weird things here ansel elgort for uh, baby driver got in there for best actor comedy that was weird uh over yeah. over kumail nanjiani anything uh, anything you noticed chad other than the ones that we've already talked about nothing nothing that really stuck out as completely absurd except for it is it is hard to get my my head around the fact that the big sick was completely shut yeah. out who knows there's just no way to know until we until I've seen the greatest showman and all right. the money in the world before I can really make up my mind because a lot of these I mean it's hard to argue when you're talking about best supporting actor and you've got Willem Dafoe and the Florida Project Army Hammer call me by your name Richard Jenkins Shape yeah. of Water Christopher Plummer all the money in the world Sam Rockwell who I think gave maybe the best performance of the year in anything so far yeah. in three billboards the jury the jury's still out but like I said at the beginning I just can't get I can't get mad about this show because <laughs> this show to me is so silly but I do enjoy watching it it's hard to get mad about it yep I'm with you well, there's lots we didn't talk about, so check out those well, nominations. Sorry, Daniel. Yourself. So we should say though, we don't want to we don't want to pass up the opportunity to say that best animated film, The Boss Baby, was nominated. Having watched <laughs> that film with my five year old literally yesterday, I can say that any kind of award recognition for that film is uh, <laughs> radically unexpected. <laughs> wow, that movie is bad. But you know, anyway, you know what I have to say about that? That movie wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I, I'm not going to say it was good, but Come on, Daniel, I laughed. I laughed. Okay. Yeah, and uh, I have to say you laughed ironically or like no, you laughed I at laughed the movie? with the movie. Okay. I have to say I've seen Boss Baby as well. It is not. It, it, I haven't seen the uh, several of these other animated movies, but I can't imagine that Lego Batman wasn't in this. That's a big shock for sure. Yeah. Because I'm just looking at it right now. I didn't. Even, I didn't even. I've prepared for this, but I just feel like of all the animated movies I really enjoyed and had a good time with this year. Lego Batman was actually much better than it any than it deserved to be, and I, it's definitely better than Boss Baby. Holy cow, that movie was it was bad. I stopped watching it. I, my it kids bad. kept watching it, and I went upstairs. It was not good. <laughs> yeah, I can't. That's argue. good parenting. I, Chris. I can't argue. Lego you Batman. Teach them young. You got to walk out and be like, yeah, it's not worth watching kids. I'm out. <laughs> I do. That do. I I literally tell them too. I'm like, you know, this one's not for daddy, guys. I'm, I'll, I'll see you later. <laughs> Uh, we lo- just want you to love us, Father. <laughs> no, they they're fine with it. They're like, okay, Dad, we understand. They got it because it's 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 all it's not great. It's silly. They were bored. I mean, I don't even understand it. Okay, all right, yeah. whatever. Boss baby, sure, sure. But uh, loving Vincent, have you guys seen the trailer for that one? That one's actually really interesting. Do you know anything about it? I, I I know a little bit about it. I've I've heard it's not it's better looking than it actually is. Like the, the idea of it's pretty great, but I haven't seen yeah. it, so I can't judge it. Yeah. It's a, it's a really great concept. Uh, it's, it's, fu- it's interesting to watch. The story's kind of whatever, but uh, it's as a feat of animation. I mean, it's a hand painted film. It's pretty, yeah. uh, it's pretty crazy, but it's pretty, epic, uh, yeah. but that's a, uh, that category is going to be easily won by Coco. <laughs> I think that's pretty safe to say. As it should be. There's plenty of other things we didn't talk about. Greta Gerwig being snubbed. Uh, we we didn't. The Shape of Water led the nominations that morning. So, if there's anything that stuck out to you, let us know. We want to hear from you. Shout us out on Twitter or on Facebook, and uh, we want to hear your thoughts on the Golden Globes. And with that, let's dive into our main event: our review of the Disaster Artist. Los Angeles, everybody want to be star. You have to be the best. And never give up. When I get up on stage in front of people, all I can think about is 
What if they laugh at me? But you, man, you're fearless. I want to feel that too. I don't care. I'll do it. You and me, we both have this dream. Yeah, I guess we do. That <laughs> <laughs> we'll be famous. We'll show them. Watch out, here we go. To be or not to be. It's not going to happen for you. Not in a million years. What, after that? This town, Greg. They don't want me. Wish we could just make our own movie. That great idea. And that is from the trailer of the new film directed by James Franco and starring James Franco as Tommy Wiseau, The Disaster Artist. So there's really no way that we can get into the review of The Disaster Artist without first talking about the inspiration for that film, 2003's The Room. What I'd like to do very quickly before we get to The Disaster Artist is just ask you guys, I'll start with you, Daniel, just tell me a little bit about your experience with the original film, if you have seen it, and how the circumstance around you seeing it for the first time came into play, because I do think that's an important point in how you first came into contact with The Room. So Daniel, tell us about it. I watched The Room for the first time just a couple months ago. So I had not seen it until then. I've never gone to one of those midnight screenings or anything like that. I wish I had, and I would love to do that in the future. That I watched it because of The Disaster Artist. Now, I hadn't seen the trailer uh, for The Disaster Artist yet, so I did go into the room only knowing that it's one of the worst movies of all time and all this stuff, but I didn't really know too much more about it. Do you want me to share my thoughts on the room while we're while yeah, we're yeah? Let's okay. talk about it, Lisa. Because here's the thing, and we can talk specifically when we get to our view. I think that the, your enjoyment level of the disaster artist is somewhat impacted by your experience with this first movie. So yeah, tell me what you thought about it. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I'm very curious if either of you have seen it because I feel like that me having watched the room really did shape my opinion of of the disaster artist. So. I loved The Room. I want to get that very clear. I don't watch movies. I don't watch bad movies for fun. I would much rather watch a good movie. So I'm not one of those people who does that. So I watched this almost as research going into The Disaster Artist. Man, it is so bad that it's genuinely hilarious. Like, it's so funny to watch. It's so rewatchable. It's, it's just a really, really great movie because it's so horrible. I, I heard uh, Paul Shearer, who's actually in The Disaster Artist, he kind of described it really good. He said, some movies are bad because they make a lot of bad decisions. The Room is great because it makes 100% bad decisions. And so <laughs> I think that's a great way to describe it because when you're watching it, it's surreal. Nothing makes sense. You're constantly asking yourself why. So yeah, it is uh, really, really funny. Okay, and Chris, same question to you. Yeah. Uh, when Have you seen The Room? And if so, how was your first experience with it? I have never seen The Room. Ah, Interesting. Okay, good. Good, good, good. So then when we get to our review, then it'll be very interesting to talk about that. I saw The Room originally, I'm going to say probably a couple of years after it came out in 2003. And the first time that I saw it, I was with a group of people that had already seen it multiple times. And so if I'm being completely honest, it was a little bit of a letdown because the morons that I was with gave away a lot of the punchlines <laughs> and were screaming out lines as they happened, etc. 
So fast. So I guess my first experience with that was just like, wow, that was really bad. And I didn't enjoy it. I didn't like it at all. I just thought, well, that's a really garbage film. And I don't know why. I don't even understand why it has the level of cult followership that it does. Now, fast forward till about a month ago. And I ordered a copy on Amazon, only available on DVD, no Blu-ray. And it came to my house and I sat down a couple of weeks ago by myself and watched it again. And it changed my life. <laughs> I mean, this movie is so magnificent it for is. for all of the reasons that you mentioned, Daniel. But and, and I would even go a little step further and say the reason that this movie, I think, lands for me in a really great place. And we're talking about The Room is because if you were to take a group of comedians and have them really smart comedians like some of Seth Rogen's troupe and Judd Apatow and have those guys get in a room and try to come up with a bad film. There are lines that they would write that I think happen for real in the room, but that weren't written to be bad on purpose. Like these guys are really trying to make a good movie. And yet some of the things that they do just are flabbergasting <laughs> because they, nothing connects like the opening. I was watching this a couple weeks ago and my wife walked in in the first 10 minutes. And when it first starts, you think this is like a soft porn movie. It, yes. There's like yes, three scenes right in a row. It's immediate. Make, immediate. Hello. <laughs> dun, 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 and the music starts. And it is maybe the worst edited thing that you have ever seen. It constantly reuses the same shots and it drags these love scenes out so, so long. And, Anyway, so all that to say, having freshly seen that, I, I gained a new appreciation for The Room, and I completely understand why people embrace it. Now, Chris, here's the thing. You've got yes. to see this you movie. Do, You've man. got to see well, this here's, movie. Here, here's the problem is, is that it's not through lack of trying. I'm just not going to buy a DVD of it online. Yeah. I don't know oh, anybody it's, who... It's the best $10 you'll ever spend on anything. I'm, I'm good, man. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll, I'll watch it with you when we're together. Bring it with you when you come to New Year's and we'll watch it together. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that gives us the, the, the context then for today's conversation about The Disaster Artist. So The Disaster Artist is... I would say you know, it's credited with three writers. It's uh, Sam uh, Newstetler, Michael Weber's The Story, and then actually I guess two more credits. And then James Franco is the director and the star. And when I first heard about this movie, I was really interested in how they were going to go about trying to reconstruct this story. What, what was the angle that they were going? And as it turns out, it's ostensibly the story of Tommy Wiseau and Greg Sestero's friendship that then leads them to create their own movie, The Room. And the circumstances, if you go and do research on this now, the circumstances behind Tommy Wiseau, where he is from, how old he is, where he get his seemingly endless supply of money, even today, is still, there is a lot of mystery around it. It's all self-financed. I mean, this guy reportedly spent upwards of five million dollars to produce this thing I, let's go to you daniel and tell me because i've seen a lot of people like this movie a lot of people kind of dismiss it as just being silly but how i'd like to frame this is what did you think about the disaster artist and then specifically do you think before we hear from chris that the viewing of the room is essential to really enjoying the disaster artist i'm very very curious to hear what chris has to say because i i do feel like a lot of my enjoyment came out of seeing them film scenes that I knew. You know, I knew what the scene, how the scene actually turned out. 
because they they do end up showing you the final you know in the movie their final product for a couple scenes but not a lot having that context of having seen the room i i really i do feel like helped me um so i'm very curious to see what what chris has to say my thoughts on the disaster artist i really really like this movie the the first and foremost the thing you have to talk about is james franco he makes this movie i mean his performance as tommy was out is incredible it's so layered and what i kept thinking is that in real life james and dave franco who are co-stars in this movie they look exactly alike pretty much like they look so much alike in real life but even though they're acting opposite each other in this movie I, I felt that James's performance was so transformative that they really didn't feel like brothers to me. Like they felt like they're individual characters, even though they yeah. look so much alike. So I, I, he just really transformed himself and he is completely brilliant here. And so that's the biggest takeaway is he absolutely makes this movie. And the rest of the movie is really, really funny too. It's just fascinating watching somebody who is delusional, try to accomplish something that they're really terrible at. But at the same time, it's also weirdly inspiring because he's really just, he's just doing it. He is just going, going for his dreams. Because Franco's performance is so deep and so layered, I really felt like I got to understand the character of Tommy in this movie. But I, I phrased it that way very specifically. My, my issue with the movie is that it feels way too close to their subject. It feels that this movie feels very surface level. Tommy felt like a character and not a real person. Having watched the room, having seen interviews with him, having heard background on the making of the room, things like that, this movie does not feel honest at all to who the character actually is in real life. You know, this is a guy in in real life who has deep rooted issues he has no self-awareness he doesn't relate to people in a w normal way he's confusing he's weird and i feel like the movie version of the character was just a he was just a misunderstood guy who's a little quirky and it just it just didn't feel honest at all so I really wish the movie was a little bit more separated from the subject. I, and I know that's kind of impossible. They had to get his life rights and all this stuff. I get it. But still, it just didn't... I don't know. I don't know what I wanted, but I feel like I want... I just wanted a, a deeper picture of who this guy is and why is he the, the way that he is. All that said, that definitely didn't ruin the movie for me. I, it's still absolutely hilarious watching them film these scenes. Um, Dave Franco is great as Greg. He is a really good performance and he absolutely feels like a real character so yeah this is a great movie and i feel like if you've seen the room it's especially hilarious because you know you know uh what it's gonna turn out like i definitely want to talk a little bit more about spoilers especially talk a little bit about how it ended but mostly i'm really interested to hear what chris has to say yeah chris so let's just uh go right to you as the one of us that has not seen the room <laughs> uh what did you think about the disaster artist i loved it it was really right. great. Here's the deal. I, I say I have not seen The Room, but every single scene in this movie I have seen, whether it be through YouTube or... I mean, this movie's popular, guys. This yeah. is something that everybody is aware of. I've just never seen it from... I've never actually watched the movie from beginning to end. So I was familiar enough with the background. I knew who Tommy Wiseau was. I understood the cult status that it's gained over the last couple of years. But I've never actually seen the movie in its totality. But I've definitely... All of these scenes, including that the dog scene when he comes in to get the, the flowers and the football 
football scenes and, you know, all that stuff I was aware of. Obviously, his uh, Ohio mock uh, thing, all of that. I'm going to say the thing that stood, stood out to me the most was how much James Franco disappeared. Yeah. I... I it was almost a moment of, you know, I wasn't a huge fan of James Franco. I've not really liked him in a whole lot of stuff. And I keep saying that to myself, but I really loved him in 127 Hours. I enjoyed him in whatever the Planets of the Apes movie he was in, the very first one. I can't remember what that one was called, but I really enjoyed him in that. So I guess at some point I've got to say I actually like James Franco. And this movie just proves it even more. I mean, he is really, he is an actor. I mean, he he disappears very similar to uh, the Joker role. Uh, you know, I, I was not a huge fan of Heath Ledger, but seeing him in that role was like he was born to play it. And this was just really incredible for me. So again, I don't know all the backgrounds like perhaps you do, Daniel, uh, of, of Tommy's life and the actual onset shenanigans and all that kind of stuff. But for me, this definitely felt more like the story through Dave Franco's eyes. Uh, I guess Greg is is the guy's name, and just his experience around him, like and viewing Tommy just kind of dent the universe. You know what I mean? And while I was watching this movie, I kept having to say to myself, "This actually happened." And now in 2017, I'm sitting in a theater. These guys did it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. to, to a certain degree, yes, they, did. they they didn't achieve what they expected to with the room, but they still left an impression and so much enough that we are now talking about a movie about their movie is in awards contention being seen by millions. That's a pretty great accomplishment. And I was just thinking like, I mean, that's, I mean, it's not what they wanted to do, but I still felt like I, I had to respect the fact that my goodness, here I am sitting in a theater watching a movie about their life being played by real Hollywood actors. It's just kind of insane. It really is. That, that's the way I would describe this movie is just, it really is insane to think this person exists this this guy named Tommy Wiseau exists he did this thing somehow has millions of dollars to spend at a moment's notice is able to pull together this incredible script and cast and crew and shoot what he wanted to shoot and didn't care what anybody thought made one of the best worst movies of all time i mean it's pretty incredible and i think if you're if you haven't seen the room i still think you can enjoy this film i really do they do a good enough job of making this understandable uh, from from their perspective, and you've probably seen some some scenes, some actors. You, you know a little bit of the background if it's just from being in pop culture. But I think even if you haven't seen the movie, you're going to enjoy the Disaster Artist. And I really enjoyed it. I thought it was inspiring and weird and crazy and funny um, and definitely deserving of 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 awards and accolades uh, it's a really well done especially at the at the end they show like you had already mentioned Daniel they show just how much care the actors took to emulate what happened uh, on that original set it's just it's kind of it's staggering it really is as a neat accomplishment something i've not really seen uh anywhere else it's 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 very unique it's different it's funny it's fun uh it's crazy and i think it's definitely worth seeing there's no doubt that makes me feel very good to know that uh, someone who has not seen the the room still yeah. gets that level of uh, of joy out of it because my main concern when i left was I almost felt as if the room was required viewing to get the full impact I don't think uh, so. and enjoyment of this movie. 
I know for me, and let me just say this right out of the gate, I love The Disaster Artist. I love it so much so that it is one of my favorite movies of the year. No question about it. Now, had I not seen The Room going into it, I don't know that I would feel that strongly about it, which is which brings me back to my, my original point. There's so many in-jokes, so many little things that happen that are callbacks to the movie that they're not necessarily critical that you understand them or are familiar with them to quote-unquote get it, but it did for me ramp up my enjoyment even that much more. And so for me, my, my audience, I saw this uh, on opening night, which was the opening for I Live in Chattanooga, was pretty full, and it was evident right from the beginning that everybody in that theater was a fan of The Room because the second that they heard the very first line of dialogue from from Franco, they broke out into laughter, and it had nothing to do with anything up at, uh, at that point yet, which was a good sign. I had a very good experience watching the movie because we were all totally on board. I do think, however, that this movie does... A lot of things that I had no expectation that it would be able to do them as well as as it did. The inspirational nature of this movie, the fact that it is very clear to me that James Franco and all of this cast, this is almost like a love letter to, to Tommy Wiseau. I mean, it seems to me, and I think, Daniel, that's probably part of why they didn't get much beyond a surface level exploring his character is because this movie seems like they have a great affection for Tommy, just the real person of Tommy. And that uh, comes through in the movie. Uh, It's hard not to be inspired. This made me love the making of movies even more. I wanted to go out and get on a film set right away. I think there's a, a subtext underneath all of this about finishing something right about having a dream because let's be honest it's one thing to say if you have a dream you should just go for it until you get it it's another thing in this scenario where you have endless money to go get that dream but i think the subtext underneath this is that they finished it they very easily along the way because of the behavior of tommy because of all the different things that were the interpersonal struggles and the way that people were being treated at any moment this whole thing could have fallen like a house of cards, but it didn't. They finished it. He put it out. It, it 2017, we're here talking about it. So I think the subtext of having a dream and, and going forward and completing it is, is very strong and inspirational. I also think, too, that Tommy's life in general, the real Tommy, is, is legitimately a mystery. So I'm not even sure how deep they could have gone even if they wanted to. But ultimately, this movie is hilarious. It is heartfelt. It is inspirational. It's an ode to friendship. I think the friendship between Greg and Tommy uh, in the film comes through. And I'll take it even a step further and say, I think James Franco should get Oscar consideration for this performance. I completely forgot that I was watching James Franco. I mean, it's it's remarkable what he does. And it's not just the comic affectation. It's it's his look. It's his mannerisms. It's his walk. And he creates a character with which you can sympathize. I mean, that's that's one of the great miracles of this movie is we see this guy who is behaving really poorly and, and, and treating people very badly. But underneath it all, I think it's because Tommy as a character is someone who's just longing for some kind of human connection and some kind of recognition. We see that right away when he begins to get jealous of Greg's girlfriend just right away because that's 
his friend. It's his first real friend. Here's this guy that has supposedly uh, immigrated from a European country that is a mystery. Nobody knows who he is. He wants to be an actor. And this is probably his first real friendship that he's ever had in America. I think it's, I think underneath all of this is just this really sweet story about people wanting to be recognized and to have friendships and connection, even if they're flawed, like he certainly was. And then, oh, by the way, what an eclectic character and a really, really funny movie and a central performance that is Academy Award worthy, I think, in my in in my opinion. So overall, I'm I'm with you guys, except I probably like it more than both of you. I think I think that this is I can't wait to see this again. And like I said, this is for sure in my top three or four movies of the year so far. Yeah. And I'm going to reassure you uh, that James Franco is for sure getting nominated for an Oscar, and, which means we are going to be seeing Tommy Wiseau on the red carpet uh, <laughs> all oh, yeah. season long. So I mean, can, I'm, you, can you imagine, though? I mean, this is this is what his dream was, right? Yeah. I mean, this is literally what the dude wanted to do. He wanted to go to the Academy Awards. He It says in the film even that they did it, what, for two weeks in that theater so that he would be up for yeah. nomination, right? <laughs> right. And so, like, obviously the room did not do that. But at the same time, it did he's freaking going to the academy awards guys i just even on that level for as crazy and as nuts as that guy is what a story what an insane thing it really is it's just a, a, not the road that he would wanted to wanted to take but it's still crazy that he did it it really is it is and just the construct of this movie is is really interesting because it, we're talking about something that happened not that long ago you know right. what are we talking about 13 14 years ago and they're recreating this entire scenario they went to great painstaking lengths for you know, to recreate it authentically and it it shouldn't stand alone as its own work of art, but it somehow it does. It does. It yeah. really does. And like I said, you don't have to see necessarily, you need to be aware of the room. If you're not even aware of it, I don't think you'd understand a, a lot of what's going on. But I did get all of these references. I, I don't think I ever felt like, oh, I don't get that. I need to do more research. And even in the parts that I wasn't aware of, I felt like they drew you in. They gave you a little bit of context to these things and then had payoffs um, about even these little things that happened on set. So I just, I think it was really great. We're not getting any new insights into Tommy because he's still a mystery. He's still a real person. But like I said, I feel like this movie is allowing us through Dave Franco's character, Greg, through his eyes because we're experiencing for the very first time we're like seeing this insane dude this force of nature it's just it's really a, a unique a unique story that is so interesting that even on its surface it draws you in but as you learn more and more and more it just becomes it's one of those things where if i were to see james franco do this character and not know that it was based on a real person I would say he's overacting. He's oh, making yeah. things up. Right, this is too. Sure. This is too nuts. But sometimes, sometimes reality is stranger than fiction, and in this case, it certainly is. Yeah, this would be a really dumb movie if it was fictional. I think. I think I would so, think this movie yeah. was so stupid and dumb and silly. Nobody would do this. But yeah, yeah it's, it's all not real. Funny <laughs> enough. There's not enough jokes. Right. Right. Yeah. He just randomly has six million dollars. I mean, come on. Yeah, what oh, a stupid yeah, plot like, hole. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on. Where, where's somebody going to get that money? They're shooting on H on on HD digital and on film. And How much would that be? Right. Listen, guys. That's one of the greatest things about this true story. <laughs> that idiot shot on HD yes. and film at the same time. Yes. It's amazing. As, as, soon amazing. As, as soon as they were in the room, I was like, is that, that's something I didn't know. And as soon as they said that, I was like, mm, are they actually going to, and then they showed the two cameras sitting side by side. I was like, 
he actually did that? He that's a crazy town. So uh, the lighting for film in, in HD is so drastically different. Yeah. I just can't imagine that that DP ought to get some kind of lifetime achievement award just for having <laughs> experienced that. That's the thing is, are they going to bring like have we? I know we've seen Tommy Wiseau on all the talk shows and all that stuff, but have they talked to the cat, the the crew and the cast of this thing? Like, are they a part of the production of this? Uh, a little bit, not as much. I mean, Greg. Greg for sure. I mean, he wrote the book that this is based off of, The Disaster Artist. But as far as the rest of the crew, I haven't heard much from them. I saw an interview. I didn't watch the whole thing, so I can't give too many insights. But I I saw part of an interview with the script supervisor, Seth Seth Rogen's character. Yeah. Who says, who now says, he directed the room. Right. Kind of saying like, oh, I did everything. Tommy didn't know what he was doing. I directed the movie. It's funny because because of me and all this stuff. So it's kind of interesting. Well, I don't know if I'd say it's funny because of him, but right, I, I would definitely, definitely say that it's it is a it's a together piece because somebody knew at least a little bit of what they were doing. Because I can't imagine yeah. that Madman Tommy actually was able to figure that you know figure out this thing. It's just crazy to me. It really is. Yeah. So that billboard that they showed in the movie was a real billboard. Tommy put up that billboard to advertise his movie, and it had a number on it. it said call and schedule your your screening of the room. That billboard remained up for something like five years in LA. It was like a legendary wow. billboard. And then now, full circle, they had I think it's still up. Uh, uh, they recreated it for the Disaster Artist and had the same phone number. Did up there and it was up there for quite a long time so i just love it it's great and we should also say too before we go to spoilers that there is a certain level of craft that it takes as an actor to act well while intentionally trying to act poorly yeah and i think in this case especially when you reference it against the performances because tommy is a very eccentric character just right from the jump and the dialogue is bad and the story doesn't make any sense in the room but if you're being completely honest the performances of greg and Juliet and the other people in the room they're not good i mean they're they're not good for them to now come back and be able to recreate that and capture the spirit of that quote-unquote bad performance is really pretty remarkable in and of itself i mean i I can't say enough good things about this movie uh is there anything else you guys wanted to talk about before we go into spoilers no just that uh definitely you should stay till after the credits um which uh, i did not do for sure oh you didn't i thought you did i had no idea and so that's why when you when you wrote and asked if there was something there i made sure to to chime in real fast i did not see this scene i read about it but I was so mad at myself. I just it didn't occur to me. I check aftercredits.com for every single movie, Gosh. even if I know nothing is there. And I'm so glad that I did for this one. So we'll say that we'll keep it spoiler free. There is something during the credits, and yes. there is something after the credits. So you want to stay all the way through. It is it's definitely worth it for sure. Ugh. All right, guys. Before we go to spoilers, let's just go around and give our recommendations. Daniel, I'll start with you. Should they see this in the theater? Should they rent it? Should they stream it? Or should they skip it? Uh, I think this is absolutely worth seeing in the theater. There's a lot of good stuff in the theater right now, but this is one of them. This is hilarious. It's weird, but it's it's really worth watching. Agreed. Same question, Chris. Oh, I yes, this movie is wonderful, and it will be in my top movies of this year. I it, it is it's a wonderful film. If you're looking for just a nuts, crazy real life story that you've never seen, this is there's nothing else like this. Go go see this movie. You will enjoy it. You really will. 
Hundred percent, yes. See this in the theater. It's one of my favorite films of the year so far, and it is unlike anything that you're going to see out there. So go see The Disaster Artist. And with that, we'll move into spoilers. The first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. Well, you look nervous. Is it the scars? You want to know how I got them? There's so many places it would never occur to a hawk to hide. However, the reason the Führers brought me off my Alps in Austria and placed me in French cow country today is because it does occur to me. Because I'm aware what tremendous feats human beings are capable of once they abandon dignity. In the dream, I knew that he was going on ahead. He's fixing to make a fire somewhere out there in all that dark and all that cold. I knew that whenever I got there, he'd be there. Then I woke up. Okay, fellas, let's start at the end and yes. talk about specifically that after credits scene. So, Daniel, you didn't get a chance to see it, but have you since read about what it was and how it worked? All I know is it was Tommy and fake Tommy interacting. Yes. Right. So it, it starts with Franco. He's leaning up against the wall. It appears to be at maybe some kind of party or something like that. And the real Tommy <laughs> walks up to him, and they start having a conversation that it's your mind almost explodes in it's in on top of itself because it is so it's it's a mirror image of these guys and tommy is exactly how you think tommy would be chris did you uh you did stay for the end of it what did you think oh, about that last scene it was wonderful like they asked like what, like what is that accent from is that new orleans yes it's new orleans it was so good like yeah. it's it just it everything about this movie like you said it, it's like a Oh, I think it's the uh, a '90s movie called the the a Time Cop. If if two if the same matter has the same space at the same time, it blows up. Uh, and this it felt like that. It felt like that. I mean, the the quote he says afterwards: "My name is Tommy with a capital go away." Just <laughs> so good. Like just they're just they're just it's 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 an incredible sequence just to watch. Especially after seeing him play that that character, and then you see the side by side, and then you see the the two folks together, it's 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 uncanny. It really is. It really is. It's it's one of my favorite. After I think I wish more credits or after credit scenes were like this, where it doesn't necessarily try to set up something else, but it's just no. very much. Honestly, like the first after credit scene of Justice League when you had Flash and Superman about to race each other, those kinds of things that are just like a little exclamation point that gives you a little bit more time with the characters. Just a little great. payoff. Just a just little, a little pay- payoff. Yeah, like you're sitting there, you're yeah. like, okay, you've, you've, you've stayed through these credits. Now look at this. And you're like, yeah. oh, yes, that was good. That was good. Totally worth it. And people in my audience, again, laughed and clapped and cheered. In a time where a lot of the movies that we're getting are very serious and, and executed wonderfully, it was just a breath of fresh air to to see this movie that was just so funny and uplifting and just wonderful. definitely want to talk about the premiere sequence, which was, which was there was a lot of great stuff in the premiere. I I kind of had a problem. Now I don't know what the premiere was like, but I, so maybe it happened exactly how it happened in real life. But I found their reaction 
to be way over the top at the premiere because so in the sequence they're showing the movie and everybody's cringing at first because of how bad it is it's really awkward and uncomfortable and which by the way before you go on daniel the the actress's reaction to all those sex scenes at the <laughs> beginning where she's like it's still going it's <laughs> yeah. so great it's, yeah. chris if you had seen the actual sex scenes you would know it's <laughs> unbelievable it's because um, the thing is it's it's really not that gratuitous it's certainly not sexy it's just long oh my goodness is it long that's uh, what she said and, there, and, and there's like 10 of them uh is so, there really 10 sex scenes in this I, movie? something like there's a lot there's way more oh, than you would ever man. expect there to be um, oh. so and and seriously the first one start it's probably a minute and a half into the movie before the first sex scene starts I mean, it's hilarious okay anyway back to what we were talking about so Jeez. the premiere I, I feel like at first they were acting how they might actually act, cringing. You know, she's making those comments. Uh, like, all of that felt very real to me. And when they start giggling and laughing, that was great. And then Tommy walks out. And then the audience starts, like, erupting in laughter and, and catcalling and, you know, yelling out at the screen and all this stuff. And they were acting like they probably act now at those midnight screenings. But... I just it that felt un- unbelievably over the top to me that at the premiere of the movie that you know they know that these the people who worked on this movie who wrote and directed and starred in this movie are sitting here in the theater yet were erupting in laughter. I just didn't it just it didn't feel quite right to me. Well, so for me I just saw that as an amalgamation of what audience how audiences sure. reacted from that point moving forward. I I I I kind of I felt the same way that I was like, oh, this probably didn't happen in this way, but I understand the spirit that sure. they're trying to say is that people react this way to this movie and somehow Tommy was okay with, you know, came to terms, came to grips with this. I'm sure it was disappointing at first, made him very sad and realizing that people were not looking at it the way he wanted them to, but eventually just decided to embrace it. And here we are today. Yeah, and to play devil's advocate too, I would say that a lot of the pe- it's not as if the people that were in the film and the cast and crew didn't know they were making a stinker while they were sure. making it. So, you know, in real life, again, we don't know what happened there, but I can see a scenario where what else can you do but laugh? Because, and also to just from a very practical standpoint, the movie is not really that funny for the first twenty or thirty minutes. It's it's cringeworthy, bad, and it's a lot of a lot of sex scenes. But the real hilarity sort sort of picks up about twenty or thirty minutes into it. So even from a practical standpoint, I can kind of see. But but I, I agree with Chris. It's to yeah. me, it's clearly an amalgamation of. This is what's happened now long term with this movie, and this is how they've come around to accept that even though they didn't set out to get famous this way, this is how it happened, and famous is famous. Yeah, totally. I I, I totally get that, that that was the point. I, it just felt it felt rushed. I, I I almost would have liked to see the see it bomb on premiere night, and and him you know almost be ready to kill himself or something and then they have the the next showing where everybody's laughing at it and so on and then it kind of snowballs from there but but i i get that they, you know that would probably take a lot more time so i get it i just know that i want to watch a documentary about an actual documentary yes. about this movie now and, and they and made actually, one obviously or so appeared to I, I don't know what i was praying for guys what i really wanted to see and it didn't pay off and i'm a little sad is i wanted to see the behind the scenes footage like 
yeah, they totally. said they were recording that entire thing and they were showing that sequence where they were recording, you know, uh, the script supervisor, whatever he was, the producer or whatever, and they were talking bad about Tommy. I thought they were going to show right. that actual so footage. I was excited. The answer to that is on the nine ninety nine DVD that I bought at Amazon, to my great delight, has they a have special it? features tab. Oh, and wow. so I hit play and guess what? There's probably an hour of no commentary, no behind the scenes kind of graphic packages or anything. It's literally just raw what? behind the scenes footage. It's great. Oh. It's absolutely great. And I've only watched about 15 to 20 minutes of it because I have <laughs> to can, go, but it's awesome. You had you can't handle more than 15 or 20 minutes of the behind the scenes. So, okay, that might be seen, worth me buying it then. <laughs> having seen some of that behind the scenes footage, did their recreations of it feel real feel accurate oh yeah i mean i'm telling you i didn't again i need to watch all of it but it that's the that is the genius and the miracle of this film is that they spent such amount an amount of time trying to get it right that they i mean they nailed it they absolutely nailed it that's awesome that's awesome i love it this movie is great and so weird and i just love seeing movies about making movies it's just fascinating and uh, i don't i've never seen a movie about making a terrible movie. So it's just, it's it's really, you know, you always wonder, not necessarily with movies this bad, but whenever a movie just kind of sucks, I always want to know how did, how did yep. we get there? And, Agreed. and that's what Agreed. this is. It is. And that's might be the reason why I really enjoy this because I want to make movies. That might be another reason why I really like this movie is just that point you made, well, Daniel. And, and the fact too, that a lot of bad movies that are made are still studio financed mm-hmm. and they're a cash grab or they're a direct to video kind of thing. This was made by people who were trying to make the best thing they could because it was their dream. Yeah. And so that's the thing that makes this so remarkable and awesome. It's just great. Yep. You're listening to the screeners podcast. All right, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed our review of The Disaster Artist. I know I certainly did. Hey, guys, listen. Join us on Facebook. Next time we're together, we're going to be reviewing Star Wars The Last Jedi. See you guys next time. And that's a wrap. You've heard what the screeners had to say. Now you be the critic. Head over to screenerspodcast.com and let us know what you think. See you next time.